that's one of the great things, I think, one of the real advantages of DNS-based protection is that you already have to have DNS infrastructure. You have it today. So what we're talking about is basically configuring or outfitting your DNS infrastructure to do something that it doesn't do already. Hi, I'm Marianne Bohr with HIMSS. Today I'm joined by Cricket Lou, Chief Evangelist at Infobox. And today we'll be talking about why domain name system security is critical for the healthcare industry. And before we start, I'd like to say thanks to Infoblox for sponsoring this podcast. Now, Cricket, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, of course. Happy to be here. You said that DNS is a very old protocol. Why do you think it's still relevant today? Well, yeah, DNS is is at this point about, let me think, 40 some years old. <laughs> so um, older than either of my kids, I'm almost older than my kids put together. Um, I, I think what's uh, given DNS its staying power is that it was a really, really well-designed protocol from the beginning, but also that uh, it's now pervasive. Um, it's become so successful as a naming service that there are really no organizations that have TCP IP based networks that don't have DNS as well. So that makes it an ideal platform for some of the stuff that we're going to talk about. Now, do you believe that DNS-based protection can protect from as many threats as other systems? Well, I don't want to claim that that DNS-based protection will protect you against everything, against every uh, single possible kind of threat. But it's remarkably effective when you have a, a smart DNS infrastructure that knows, for example, not to resolve the domain names of known command and control servers or phishing sites or whatever, it can protect you against a really, really large majority of the threats that are out there. And even if you have devices that that become infected through other means, it can prevent them from, from doing further damage because, for example, the malware that exists on those devices may be prevented from reaching out to those command and control servers or drop servers out on the internet. Well, that's interesting. Now, how about detection? Can DNS protection detect threats? And if so, how does it? Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that a lot of a lot of our customers do is they plumb these things called uh, response policy zones into their DNS infrastructure. And these response policy zones are basically uh, dynamic up to the minute lists of domain names that are associated with malicious activity out there on the internet. And one of the things that probably will strike folks as, as kind of obvious is that if you have a domain name in a response policy zone that is known to be used by a particular species of malware, and you see a query for that domain name for a particular device, it's highly likely that that device is infected with that particular species of malware. So in that way, it does provide detection as well as protection from uh, malicious activity out there on the internet. If you see that such and such a client seems to be infected with that malware, well, then you can go pay it a visit. You can have the uh, security folks stop by and clean it up. I see. So how expensive or cumbersome is DNS-based protection to deploy? That's one of the great things, I think. One of the real advantages of DNS-based protection is that you already have to have DNS infrastructure. You have it today. So what we're talking about is basically configuring or outfitting your DNS infrastructure to do something that it doesn't do already, you know, plumbing these response policy zones into it or uh, configuring your DNS servers to forward to cloud-based DNS servers that can um, identify these malicious queries. So it's really cost-effective. You have the, the infrastructure today. It's not like a situation where somebody has some 
miracle security product, but you have to buy one for every subnet within your organization and you're going to, to pay them you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars. Uh, instead, you're just buying security feeds and plumbing them into uh, infrastructure that you already have. And, and because that infrastructure is already there and checking a response policy zone is merely instantaneous, there's almost no extra overhead. You won't see any performance effect, any, any negative effect to DNS performance or DNS resolution on your network at all. Well, that's good to know. But what about cloud versus on-premises? Does DNS protection work in both? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've been talking, I think, mostly implicitly about the cloud, but you can just as easily use response policy zones or cloud-based secure DNS services for cloud-based resources too. Those DNS servers that you use in the cloud can have these response policy zones plumbed into them just as easily as on-prem or uh the resolver configurations of those cloud resources can be configured to use secure DNS servers in the in the cloud. Great. Now, you mentioned those DNS block lists. Now, those work based on reputation. Now, is there any way for DNS to thwart zero-day attacks, which by definition don't have reputation yet? Yeah, that's a, a really good question. Those uh, response policy zones do effectively carry reputational data, right? Uh, information about domain names that we know already are being used maliciously. But what we find is that uh, in many, many cases, the bad guys will register brand new domain names and use those domain names maliciously. And there's that sort of period of vulnerability before uh, the domain names have been assessed, before um, we've determined whether they're benign or malicious. So one way that uh, we've dealt with that is to come up with these response policy zones that are effectively newly observed domain names on the internet. So it's a list of brand new domain names that don't have any reputation one way or another. It turns out, according to quite a number of studies, the percentage of those domain names that are brand new that are going to be used uh, maliciously is really, really high. So you can just block the resolution of these brand new domain names. And it turns out there's almost no downside to doing this. Um, there are very, very few instances where somebody needs to go visit a legitimate brand new domain name. And then of course, if it is a legitimate domain name, then after a day or three days or whatever threshold you want, it'll become legitimate. It'll drop off of that list and anyone will be able to uh, to visit it. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Now, how is DNS-based protection useful for healthcare organizations? Well, Infoblox is, is fortunate to have quite a number of customers in the healthcare business. And one of the things that we find is that they have lots of um, what other people might call Internet of Things style devices on their networks. But these might be, for example, medical equipment in hospitals, uh, might be you know MRI machines that are on the network. It might be blood pressure monitors, any n- number of other medical devices. Those devices, generally speaking, you can't put specialized security software on. You can't put some sort of endpoint security software on it. You have to rely on something else, but almost all of those devices do send DNS queries. And our customers have had very, very good luck instrumenting that DNS infrastructure to prevent those devices from becoming infected, or if they are infected, from doing any further damage from, for example, installing some sort of routine to scan their local network, infect their neighbors and and things like that. So I think personally that that for healthcare organizations, uh, DNS-based security is is enormously useful 
really applicable because of those particular traits, right? Because it works with all of all of these devices. Absolutely. Now, DNS servers can be used maliciously in several types of attacks from DDoS attacks to tunneling. Now, how do you prevent that? For those sorts of attacks, like tunneling and DDoS attacks, you have to have uh, different mechanisms, mechanisms besides, say, response policy zones. For, for DDoS attacks to prevent your DNS servers from being used in DDoS attacks, where they could be used as amplifiers and reflectors, there are other mechanisms. Uh, we have a proprietary rate limit mechanism that some infoblox DNS servers use called advanced DNS protection. There are, are mechanisms like response rate limiting, which are more broadly applicable, which have been uh, implemented by all kinds of open source DNS servers that'll help prevent them from being used in DDoS attacks. For tunneling, you have to have some smarts in the DNS server. Uh, to combat tunneling, you need to be able to look at a stream of queries, not just individual queries, and analyze them. Analyze, for example, the entropy and query names and in responses, and to say, yeah, you know what, this is this bears the the, the hallmarks of uh, uh, DNS tunneling, and therefore I'm going to shut it down. I'm going to add the uh, domain name that that's being used to some sort of dynamic blacklist for the time being. So it's certainly possible to do, but it requires intelligence over and above the response policy zones that we were talking about earlier. Now, Cricket, if our listeners want to know more about InfoBlox, how can they get in touch with you? Certainly they can visit our, our website at www.infoblox, which is I-N-F-O-B-L-O-X.com. Um, and if anybody has any questions for me, I'd be happy to happy to hear them. I'm just Cricket, C-R-I-C-K-E-T, at infoblox.com. Well, Cricket, thank you so much for joining us today and for your insights. And a special thanks to Infoblox for sponsoring this podcast. Have a fantastic rest of your day. 